Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home A continuation from our last session of Darsi Hadith Covering the nikah of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha With Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an We need to understand that During the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam Nikah was a very simple affair During the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam Getting married Nikah was a very simple affair And the companions would understand Nikah to be an important act of worship On one occasion Giving advice to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu a beautiful hadith speaking to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala on himself Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to him Ya Ali, O Ali listen to me carefully what I have to say to you Ya Ali, O Ali listen to me carefully what I have to say to you and he said Salasun la tuakhiruha in three matters there should be no delay in three matters there should be no delay and the first thing Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said as-salatu idha atat when the time of salah commences there should be no delay immediately perform your salah and that is why when you visit the haram makkah al-mukarramah and masjid nabawi sallallahu alayhi wasallam you will notice that the Adhan is given by the minutes the Adhan is given by the minutes So for an example an Adhan will be given at 12.21, 12.22, 12.23 The minute the time of Salah commences immediately Adhan starts The hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and secondly, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, وَالْجَنَازَةُ إِذَا حَذَرَتْ That when a janaza is in front of you, immediately make arrangements for the burial of the deceased. Immediately. Get the marhum buried. 
And finally, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, وَالْأَيِّمُ إِذَا وَجَدْتَ كُفْ That when a spouseless boy or a girl finds the right match, a spouseless boy or a girl finds the right match, then immediately the boy and the girl should get married. Subhanallah, this was the environment designed and structured by Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa He wanted to make sure that halal is open and accessible for every individual in the ummah. Because if halal becomes difficult, then people will trespass and will fall on the door of haram. And so Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made nikah extremely easy. And this is no exaggeration. That nikah was so easy, even more easier than reading Surah Al-Fatiha. Even more easier than reading Surah Al-Fatiha. Every opportunity was given to that individual who wanted to perform nikah. Again, this was something that was uh, carefully uh, designed and structured by Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam because of the customs of Arabia. Thus we see that subhanallah all of a sudden women were given honor. Divorced women, widows were given honor because of this process of regularity in nikah. Because of this process of regularity in nikah. So if a woman was divorced not like other cultures that it's taken to be an ill omen that she is a divorcee or a widow and she might kill the husband. Subhanallah, that is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself got married to women who were divorced and widows and to completely take out and to reform the Islamic society to make them the best individuals. And again I repeat that in the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam there was no such thing as a man to be a single individual or a woman who is single. She was never a miss, she was always a missus. She was always married to an individual, to a sahabi. This was the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And because of that the attitude of the people had changed. The Arabs no longer frowned at the birth of a baby girl. In fact, the birth of a baby girl was considered to be a blessing, not a curse. Subhanallah. Everything changed immediately by the teachings and the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Everything. Subhanallah. Recent research, an article that I was reading, it says that even today in India, just in India alone, as many as one million female fetuses are destroyed. In India alone, as many as one million female fetuses are destroyed. And it is considered to be, uh, the parents view it to be as a curse if the lady was to give birth to a baby girl. And unfortunately you'll find that even the old folks among the ummah get very excited and say, Oh, mashallah, baby boy, baby boy, baby boy. 
as if there's something wrong with the baby girl. On the contrary, there is a lot of barakat and blessings at the birth of a girl. Subhanallah. And in India, the minute a baby girl is born, the father starts to calculate the financial strain, the financial burden that is ahead of him. He starts to count. Oh, what will happen? One daughter, two daughters, three daughters. What will happen? How will I get them married? But in Sharia, subhanallah, the complete opposite. In fact, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has given glad tidings to a father who is blessed with many, many daughters. Many daughters. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam has said that if you educate your daughter and look after her and treat her with love and affection and uh, inculcate in her good manners, adab, and get her married to a pious individual, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open all the gates of Jannah for you. All the gates of Jannah will be open for that father who is blessed with daughters. Subhanallah. And these are the teachings of Islam, my respected brothers and elders. We need to view the birth of a baby girl as a great blessing. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That is why when Maryam alayhi salatu was salam was born, even the parents were shocked because the nazar was that we will give the child for the service of Baytul Maqdis and it was Maryam alayhi salatu was salam but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave her that honor that not even men were given that honor subhanallah and so we need to be very very careful and we need to be good Muslims and we need to understand sharia from the core and the pure teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam my respected brothers and elders Subhanallah, Islam is not like any other culture or any other religion. In fact, when, when it is time for the father to get the daughter married, there should be a smile on his face. Because according to the Sharia, there is, Sharia has not imposed any kind of financial burden upon the father. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. In fact, everything is on the groom's family on the boy's side and the first expense is mahar mahar is your first expense in nikah and I don't like to translate mahar as dowry it's not the right translation I think we'll give it another translation we'll call mahar a bridal gift what will we say? a bridal gift sounds better and so mahar is a bridal gift that is a token of love and to show the girl that this mahar is yours and it is your property and to give her independence that now she fits uh, the status of ownership that she can own whatever she wants after getting married to the husband and that is why mahar is a token of love mahar is a token of love and that is on the, on the groom, the boy the boy has to give mahar the father needs to give nothing. The bride needs to give nothing. Subhanallah. It is so easy. In fact, my respected brothers and elders, I hope brothers don't mind what I say here, is that it is even desirable that the walima reception is paid by the groom's family. Now it is not something that 
that is mandatory that it should only be the boy's side, boy's family. Of course, if the bride's family and the father wants to uh, be part of uh, the expense that the parties have incurred and he wants to give money, that is fine. But realistically, all the expense is with the groom, with the boy's side. Even the walima reception, the boy's father should provide. Making sure that there is no burden upon the father of the girl. The father, the bride, father, he has no pressure. Subhanallah. Now imagine the immense sacrifice already the father and mother of the bride that they give. Is that they are giving the daughter to a complete new family. Isn't that enough sacrifice? Subhanallah. That she is going to a new home. So that is sacrifice. And so the Sharia says, on the father, nothing. On the father, nothing. These are the rules, very important rules and ahkam of the Sharia, my respected brothers. Our topic is not nikah, but just some of the important rules have been covered here. The nikah of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala, subhanallah, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called Ali and says, Ali, come here. And Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala and came to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him that Jibreel Amin came to me now and said to me that Allah wants Ali to marry Bibi Fatima. Allah wants Hazrat Ali to marry Bibi Fatima. Remember in the last session we mentioned that all the decisions were assisted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Even the nikah of Hazrat Zainab The nikah of Umm Kulsum The nikah of Hazrat Ruqayya And also the nikah of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala And the nikah was Subhanallah Such a simple nikah Such a simple nikah Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Said to Ali radiallahu ta'ala Ali have you got mahar And he said no ya Rasulullah I have no mahar Remember he was a very generous man Whatever he had he gave in the path of Allah And so Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reminded him Of the armor given to him At the end of the Battle of the Badr And he said yes I still have that armor Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Said to him go and sell that And the sum you receive is the mahar of my daughter Bibi Fatima And so Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala Now everyone in the city of Medina found out that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala wants to sell this armor so that he can acquire some amount of money that will be fixed for the mahar of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha and so Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala came to Hazrat Ali and said that I will buy this from you and subhanallah Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala gave him 500 dirhams it's a lot of money 500 dirhams and so 500 dirhams is the mahar of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala an, what we know today as mahre Fatimi. As mahre Fatimi. And all of the daughters of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the payment of mahar given to them was 12 and a half ukiya. And one ukiya is approximately 40 dirhams. 40 dirhams. And so 400 dirhams mahar is 1 kilo 431 grams of silver one approximately 1 kilo and 40 431 grams of 
silver. That was the mahar of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. And that is why uh, when we speak about the mahar Fatimi, of course because of the prices that change gold and silver, we need to work out the mahar Fatimi. If a person wants to give mahar Fatimi, this was the mahar given to the daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Imam Shafi'i rahmatullah alayhi, the great faqih says that there is no minimum amount of mahar fixed to give to the girl. A man can give whatever he wants provided it is considered to be in the eyes of sharia to be of worth and value. To be of worth and value. That it's considered to be something that you can give as a gift. Gold, silver or whatever that you want to give. And Imam Shafi rahmatullah an incredible faqih. Subhanallah. Imam Shafi'i rahmatullah's fatwa is also this, which is not part of the nikah explanation here. But Imam Shafi'i rahmatullah says that to read Durood Sharif upon Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam in salah it's farz. What is it? After at tahiyat when we read Durood. So if you're a Shafi'i, if you did not read Durood Sharif, your namaz would be invalid. Your namaz would be invalid. So the Shawafir have to read Durood Sharif upon Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the, there is no minimum amount for the groom to give to the bride. But Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah alayhi says that there is a minimum an amount of 10 dirhams. Of 10 dirhams. Which is approximately 34 grams of silver that you can give to the girl. But now we have to be careful my respected brothers. You'll find some brothers to be very conjuice. <laughs> some of the brothers to be very, very conjuice. Well, up 21 pounds is enough. Sharamani chaye bhai. 21 pounds? How much did you pay? Oh, we'll talk to me later. Will 31 pounds? MashaAllah, my respected brothers, give in accordance to the capacity that Allah has blessed you with. After all, you are giving this amount, which is a bridal gift to the wife-to-be. She's going to be your wife. So give it to her. Give it to her, mashallah. Subhanallah, give her an amount which she feels that, mashallah, this is something that is given to me. And of course, we have to balance in moderation. Not to give something which is considered a very meager amount, a scanty amount that you give. That if somebody even... Uh, asks you how much you gave, he'll take you, he'll despise you and take you to be someone who's a miser. And not to even give an amount which is extortionate. Too much that you give. Making life difficult for the other family members that want to get married after you. So in moderation, give something which is considered to be a good gift. And that is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has mentioned that when you give gifts, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will instill love in the hearts of one another. And so immediately by giving mahar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the husband to take the responsibility that he needs to look after this woman that will come under his care. And so he is the amir, but he has to look after this woman. So this was the mahar of Hadrati Ali radiallahu ta'ala an what is known as mahre Fatimi. Another issue with the nikah of Hadrati Ali radiallahu ta'ala an 
The nikah was a very simple gathering that took place. Uh, it was in the month of Rajab when Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sermonized the nikah of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an and Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala an the young sahabi who was the khadim of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him Anas go and call for me Abu Bakr, Umar, Usman, Talha, Zubair and whoever you meet from amongst the companions when you go and call the, the, the senior companions the Khulafai Rashidin Anas radiallahu ta'ala an called all of the companions and they came in the masjid and Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to them that I want Ali radiallahu ta'ala an to get married to Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala an and the wali and the wakil of Bibi Fatima was Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it was Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who performed the nikah of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala an one very important mas'ala that it is sunnah for the father to perform the nikah of the daughter. It is sunnah. So you guys can give a break to the molisab. <laughs> you guys can give a break to the molisab. It is sunnah for the father to make the nikah of the daughter. Provided of course that he understands and he is well acquainted with the masail of nikah. He might just forget who the wakil is, might forget the mahar, and might forget to uh, speak out the right words, and the nikah might be invalid. So this is about this is something which is about experience. And so if a person, mashallah, is in that capacity that mashallah he's learned and he knows how to arrange the nikah ceremony and speak about the witnesses and the wakil, then it is sunnah for the father to perform the nikah, and it is against the sunnah. For the father to be absent from the nikah of the daughter. It is against the sunnah. The sunnah is that the father should be present. And this mas'ala is so important my respected brothers and elders. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said La nikaha illa bi waliyin. La nikaha illa bi waliyin. There is no nikah but with the consent of the wali. With the consent of the Wali. There are a lot of masail which we need to explain uh, when it comes to which individual can be taken as a wali. But um, according to the scholars, a wali is the father or the grandfather. A wali is the father or the grandfather. A lot of the times you will uh, see in the community that for some reason the youth have run away and the boy wants to get married to the girl and the father has no information about it and especially when the girl has never been married before a young girl and for her to make nikah with a boy without the consent of the parents and they live together and they feel that because the imam sahab has done nikah that we are living now lawfully you have to be very very careful according to the majority of the scholars that nikah is invalid that nikah is invalid. Majority of the scholars. Of course, there is concession in the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah alayh. But again, there are so many conditions. There is concession in the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa and majority of the people here follow the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa. 
But majority of the scholars, the Jamhur, Imam Shafi'i, Malik, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, because of this hadith, they say without the permission of the father, the grandfather, the nikah is not valid at all. And so we need to be careful. What we need to do here is the wali should even understand that if the boy is the right match for the girl, then he should not be of any hindrance in the performance of this nikah. And the wali should give permission that khair, subhanallah, nikah can be performed. Recently, a few weeks ago, we had an issue. A boy from Saudi Arabia wanted to marry a girl from Egypt. And uh, of course, we have all the information on the nikah certificate. Uh, but there was a delay on behalf of the father to come who was um, the wali, the official wali of the girl and the wakil and he was not there and I said to him that we can't perform nikah without the wali and especially when you're from Saudi Arabia your fiqh is different she is from Egypt and it's an Egyptian lady and subhanallah it was a difficult time for some reason the father was not happy but eventually the father came and he said okay I give permission for the nikah but I will not sit in the gathering of this nikah I will not sit in the gathering of the nikah. But I give permission. And so therefore the nikah was performed. But this is so important my respected brothers. That there should be a balance. Parents need to understand the children. And parents need to follow the sharia, the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That nikah is a very simple affair. If there is compatibility and if there is kuf, then one should not be of any hindrance to the couple and allow them to marry. Allow them to marry. That is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The nikah of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala an was performed by Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and there were no official witnesses. There were no official witnesses. Why? Everyone was a witness in the gathering. All the companions that were there were the witnesses. And the wakil was Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam had delivered a very comprehensive sermon, khutbah, during the nikah of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. And subhanallah, what a simple nikah. Such a simple nikah, my respected brothers. Ruksati, ruksati. The departure of the bride from the house of the father going to the house of the husband. Ruksati. How was the ruksati of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha? No parade, pomp, show, and subhanallah, uh, hundreds of people walking with different colors and all sorts of things we witness in nikah and the ruksati. And there is so much of a show and the father starts to cry and the mother starts to cry and all sorts. Uh, subhanallah. And look at the ruksati of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Umm Ayman that get my daughter dressed up get her dressed up and said to Umm Ayman only one lady only one lady accompanying Bibi Fatima the daughter of Huzur alayhi salam who is titled as the queen of the women folks in Jannah the queen of the women folks of Jannah she is the queen. And Umm Ayman at the time of Ruksati puts on her burqa and niqab. 
What does she do? Puts on the niqab and the burqa. And Bibi Fatima also puts on her niqab and burqa. And they walk it to the house of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala on foot. Not even a horse, not even a camel, no conveyance, just walking, subhanAllah. One lady taking Bibi Fatima to the house of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala. What a nikah, my respected brothers and elders. That is why there was so much love. Today we spend 50,000, 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 pounds in nikah. But there is no ingredients, there is no love between the husband and the wife. Why? Because we break the laws and the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, my respected brothers and elders. A simple nikah. In India, when somebody wants to perform nikah, in India, Umar Farooq, you go to India frequently, let me expose you. Huh? At the moment, Arifai. And when a person wants to get married in, uh, in India, what happens? If he is a Barelwi, if he is a Barelwi, the so-called Sunni contingent, the so-called Sunni contingent, they call themselves, they call themselves Sunni. Despite the fact that they do everything contrary to the Sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So much so that they don't even pray behind the Imams of Makkah and Medina and call Scholars like Sheikh Sudaish, Shurain, and great uh, scholars, awliyaullah, the imams of the haram kafir, blatantly kuffar. And I have seen with my own eyes, Juma namaz, during the time of hajj being performed in the hotel. Juma namaz. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Despite... Breaking all the laws of Sharia, they still call themselves Sunni Muslims. Subhanallah. Were they given a certificate when the mother gave birth to that child, that my child, you are a Sunni? And so what happens is that a Barelwi chap who gets married, before nikah, he will, he will have to go to a Mazar. He will have to go to a, a Mazar. A mazar is a shrine where a, possibly a pious man is resting. Wallahu alam, there are so many shrines in India. Uh, we can't actually verify the authenticity of who that person is resting. And he has to go to the shrine, buy a cloth, and put the cloth on the grave, and buy a few coconuts, and that mujawar will make dua for him. And subhanallah, only then he can go to the masjid, and nikah is performed. Can you imagine my respected brothers, the customs that are there? In fact, you'll find amongst some Muslims that they will want to speak to uh, certain individuals, astrologers, so that a suitable date is given to them for nikah. So that the nikah is not performed on perhaps an inauspicious day. Inauspicious day. A lot of people don't want to perform nikah in the month of Muharram. They don't want to perform nikah in the month of Muharram. Why? Wallahu It's an ill omen to perform your nikah in the month of Muharram. And so if you look at the cultures, subhanAllah, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam instantly, immediately wiped out all the customs of the Arabian society. And what the Arabs would do, the shirk they would do, and their cultures and customs, wiped it out. 
and said, no, this is sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Umm Ayman was one lady that took Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala and in fact even the house was not the house of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala it was the house of Hazrat Harisa radiallahu ta'ala now this man had many properties very close to masjid nabwi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Allah's Nabi loved Bibi Fatima and he wanted Bibi Fatima to be close to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam Hazrat Harisa radiallahu ta'ala anha offered and said, Ya Rasulullah, my properties are your properties. Subhanallah. My properties are your properties. Choose whichever house you want. Choose whichever house you want for Bibi Fatima and for Hazrat Ali. And that house belongs to you. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was so happy and made dua for that individual Hazrat Harisa radiallahu ta'ala. An. So it was not even his house. And so Umm Ayman radiyallahu ta'ala and to Bibi Fatima radiyallahu ta'ala and what was the walima walima reception very simple again my respected brothers today you'll find there is walima but unfortunately men, women all mingle together men, women at least the least we can do is put a partition the least we can do is put a partition what is so difficult in putting a partition Women have rights, mashallah, in Islam. Men have rights. Of course, walima is sunnah. Come, let the women come and eat. But make a partition. So you have men on one side and you have women on the other side. So there is parda. And there is barakah. And what was the walima food? A variety of dates with cheese and roti or naan. With cheese, roti and naan. And a variety of dates. This was the walima of Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. Allahu Akbar. This is the nikah, a beautiful nikah, a model for us, my respected brothers, that we need to understand when a child gets married, realistically there is only two expense, expenditure, only two. One is mahar and one is walima. Mahar and walima. No obligation thereafter, just mahar and walima. And both are upon the, the groom side, the boy side. Of course, walima can be shared uh, if the, the family does decide that we will also take part in the cost. Now, another thing, my respected brothers, before we conclude the session, is that in some parts of India, Pakistan and Bangladesh, we have another system, what is known as the dowry system. The dowry system. Or it is known as jahez or dej. Jahez or dej. This is not sanctioned by Islam. And this is all un-Islamic. That the groom's family would be expecting or will demand a certain portion of wealth from the bride's family. From the bride's family. And because in Hinduism, after the death of the father, the girl did not get anything. So what they would do is when she gets married, to compensate the father would give something to her when she gets married. But in Sharia, Alhamdulillah, even if the father passes away, a portion has been reserved for the daughters of the father. And so what would happen is that the groom would expect a certain amount of wealth coming from the daughter, and the father of the girl would even have to buy a lot of gold and jewelry for the female members of the groom's family. 
and a fridge and a cupboard and a bed and all the furnitures are to be given everything and it's an empty house and the man is there relaxed and the father there has taken cars and debts and all his life is going to be doing repayment now to the creditors giving back money, giving back money all his life sometimes he'll even take money from the bank on interest inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un this is wrong my respected brothers and so remember this is something that is totally un-Islamic the father of the bride's family the, the, the father of the girl does not need to give anything and if anybody does demand he should say no that is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and vice versa unfortunately it's amazing that our Arab brothers have so much knowledge and they speak about Bukhari, Muslim, Bukhari, Muslim, Bukhari, Muslim. It seems that they only know two kitabs in Hadith, Bukhari and Muslim, Bukhari, Muslim. SubhanAllah. It's become a fashion now, you see. They know so much and they, they speak the Arabic language. But even today in countries like Saudi Arabia, the dowry and mahar is so extortionate that it becomes impossible for the women to marry. That it is part of their society that the woman will demand from the husband-to-be that before I get married to you, I want you to buy for me a property, a house under my name and gift it to me. And at times, she will even ask for a car. A house and a car. A house and a car. Very expensive, my brothers, very expensive. Don't even think about going that part of the world, right? Javid Sam, huh? make sure, huh? Very expensive, unless of course Allah has blessed you with a lot of money. Now, both these applications are against the Sharia. Against the Sharia. For the groom to demand, or even the bride to demand from the groom, everything is un-Islamic. Yes, one mas'ala which is very important. That if the father wants to give the daughter on his own behalf a gift, Sharia has given him permission. That the father says, no, no, my daughter, you are going. And all my life I have looked after you. Allah has given me a lot of wealth. I am giving you 20,000 pounds, 30,000 pounds. This is your money. That means that that money belongs to the girl, to the girl, not the son-in-law. Not the son-in-law. Everything that is given by the father to the daughter is the property of the daughter and not the groom's family. Just like Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he became very emotional when Bibi Fatima got married to Hazrat Ali. And he said to Bibi Fatima, let me give you a few things that I own. And subhanAllah, what did he give? All he had, he said, all I have is a stone grinder a stone grinder that I give you so that you can work and a pillow and a pillow and a blanket and one uh, leather water bag one leather water skin Bas. that was it given by Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam as a gift to Bibi Fatima radiallahu ta'ala an Fuqaha have mentioned that if the father wants to give something to the daughter, that is fine. Vice versa, if the father wants to give something to the son, that is also permissible. And so, 
whatever is given from the parents, it is the property of each individual. But of course, if they want to share and if they have that love, bonding, harmony, that is a different issue. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana Muhammadin nabil umi wa ala alihi wa salim taslima. Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tuba alayna inna kanta tawabur raheem. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Sami'na wa ta'ana gufranaka rabbana wa ilayk al-masir. Birahmatika ya rahman rahim.